So Unarmed Series um, is aimed to help us to not feel ill-equipped to defend ourselves against the attacks that we endure daily. Our society is full of fear, anxiety, depression, and sheer brutal intimidation. As I said last week, I hear nearly on a weekly basis that my anxiety is getting the best of me. I can't handle it anymore, or this is about to take me out. It seems that if life is a constant struggle and full of battles, but according to Jesus, we have an enemy of our soul that wants nothing more to do than to kill, steal, and destroy. It's found in John chapter 10, verse 10. But he didn't end the verse with that being the conclusion of the matter. He continued on to say that I have come that you may have life and have life more abundantly. Does anybody in the room seem like the enemy is trying to kill, steal, and destroy the pathway that God has you on? I believe that that's something that we see on a daily basis. But we need to determine to lay down our ways for Christ's ways. So today I'm encouraging you to become unarmed with your natural abilities and your way and turn it over to God. When we lay down our ways and we unarm ourselves, the Bible calls them vain philosophies. And in vanity, it's where we look at ourselves too much. I really don't believe there's a whole lot wrong with self-introspection, the word that we truly look at ourselves from time to time in a mirror and see truly who we are and ask God to reveal to us not how we perceive ourselves, but how others perceive us to be. Often at work, secretary at work, she'll say, you know, hold up the mirror. Anytime you start talking about something and you, you get a little bit too conceited, she'll say, uh, won't you hold up that mirror for a second there? And when she says that always, it causes me to think, how is others perceiving what I'm saying? Even though I may ju be justified in what I'm saying, it's the perception that we talked about last week that's a reality, right? So by being unarmed, we're saying we're unarming ourselves of our vanity of our way of thinking others see us the way we see ourselves. Leslie says all the time that we judge ourselves according to our intentions and we judge others by their actions. And that's two totally different things. Well, I intended to do good. Well, I meant to stop by. I meant to send that text of encouragement. I meant to get to church early. 
<laughs> no, not you. I'm calling out Sandy. You, you took that upon yourself. That wasn't me. Tom was laughing a little bit ago. He, uh, he's been counting each week, you know, uh, people attend the service. We try to keep track of numbers just to uh, keep a, a idea of where we're at and what we're doing. And uh, He's been waiting longer and longer and longer to count <laughs> in the room. And he, he waited till the second song this week. And as he got the count just about finished, I looked out and Mackenzie <laughs> come walking through the door. And it's just awesome that people, uh, I've always been one that if I'm late, I'm not going to anything. I don't care what it is, but it's it's awesome to see you guys coming, even if you're coming late, and I, I'm glad I don't have to get Ellie and Carver and little hoodlums ready. I, I appreciate you guys uh, coming on in. It just kind of is going to prove my point uh, throughout the sermon today. So, as I said last week, that if your perception is your reality and you don't like your reality, change your perception. Change the way you're looking at things. Because normally we tend to go, as I said, in the direction that we're looking. Our nose is our guide. So if you missed last week, I'm not going to review all that. You can go watch it uh, on the Facebook page. Those are always saved there where we go live, and we appreciate everybody tuning in today. My aunt uh, messaged me this morning, said she wasn't feeling all that well and wanted to stay home and watch online. My mom, uh, my little niece come over, uh, Brimley, and uh, she's there with my mom. Didn't bring extra clothes, so they're watching from home today, and I know many others do as well, and we appreciate our online audience. Uh, some people that's never attended here in person uh, watch almost weekly and it's pretty awesome that we get the ability in today's age to reach out and touch people um, right where they're at so if you missed le- week one you can go back and watch it on Facebook or you can uh, go to the SoundCloud it's a, a app for your phone that you can download SoundCloud and it uh, if you subscribe to our, our uh, podcast there it'll download automatically weekly and you'll get those if you miss a week it'll be there and then it's also on our website there's links uh, to be able to listen to previous services so today I want to talk about and and continue on in this unarmed series to um, allow us to see that we need to abandon pride all the while building our confidence And those two words kindly sound like they're in the same uh, box or container, but in reality, there is a difference between pride and confidence. So, as we go through here, I want to read a verse, and you understand that we took from Ephesians last week that we're talking about this armor, that there's a whole armor of God uh, that it says in Ephesians. And I want you to continue on with that and read that over and over and over again so that it becomes a a reality in your life. If you perceive that, it will become the reality that you're living, the armor of God. Um, You cannot defend yourself against the attacks of the enemy. You need his help. Amen? We need his help. 
So in thinking about confidence, I want us to just uh, look at Isaiah chapter 54, verse 13, and think about these verses don't say the word confidence, but I believe what God is telling us will cause us to have confidence. So it's Isaiah chapter 54, verse 13. You have your Bibles, Isaiah 54, verse 13. It says, All your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. In righteousness you will be established. Tyranny will be far from you. You will have nothing to fear. Terror will be removed. It will not come near you. If anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whosoever attacks you will surrender to you. See, it is I who created the blacksmith, who fans the coals of flame and forges a weapon fit for its work. And it is I who have created the destroyer to wreak havoc. But this verse is one that I think of often when I think about being armed or having an enemy that's armed. This verse says, No weapon formed against you will prevail. Everybody here say that with me. Say, No weapon formed against me will prevail. God says so. Think about the encouragement of that verse. If we perceive that to be true, and live that out, that no weapon, it's not saying that there is not a weapon, but the weapon that is there will not prevail. And the only weapons that the enemy has, God says, I was the one that allowed the blacksmith to make it in the first case. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. There is nothing here that is not already His. Sure, we work our whole lives and we gain material things and we store up uh, all these possessions that we have but in reality when we pass from this life to the next we see how quickly those things are taken by those that we leave it to and usually they'll sell it because it don't mean anything to them and then they'll spend the money not very wisely on things they don't need so parents, go ahead and blow it all on yourself. <laughs> I was listening to a little reel this past week, and it, it was Steve Harvey, the comedian, and he was talking about it. He's talking to his kids and told them, you know, you know, when, when we pass, when your mother and I pass, you just don't expect a whole lot because we've already made it in our, our design of how we're going to live this life that we're going to spend 85% of it on us and you might get 10% for yourself after it's all over. So just go ahead and know your mom and I is going to take vacations and we're going to have a good time and you just have, you'll get whatever's left. So being as I don't have kids, I, I've got nieces and nephews, and uh, I guess Leslie and I's junk, literally what we have is junk, will be left to them, but it'll be used up pretty good because I'm going to have a good time with what I have. Amen. I'm going to use it because God allowed me to work to get what I have. But no, the Bible does tell you to store up treasures for generations to come. And truly, there's nothing wrong with uh, giving your descendants a step ahead, a pathway to success in life, because God is the one that gave you what you have anyhow. And you're just passing on what God has been good to you. 
Has God been good to anybody in this house? Amen. He's a good God. So no weapon formed against us will prof- prosper or prevail. And it says, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. So if we would begin to believe that what the Bible says is true, and let it be our perception to become our reality, then when we read verses like this, begin to live them out. And not walk around with pride and being puffed up and boastful about who I am in Christ. Still having humility to say, I would not have any of this if it were not for God. I would be in a ditch somewhere if it were not for God. I truly believe I would be in a casket somewhere if it were not for God. Because the pathway I was on as a sinner was one that was leading to death. And the, and the pathway I was on was going at such an, a rate of speed that there was no way that I was going to survive continuing to do the things I was doing. But God, in His goodness, saw fit that even while I was yet a sinner, Scripture says, He yet loved us. Even while I was in the midst of my sin, running away from God, I, was, I grew up in church, I knew better. Hilltop Tabernacle and Elwes and George, uh, uh, Cooper and those, they, they taught us. George Stone and all those that were out there, those old saints that I can still imagine in my mind giving testimonies about the goodness of God. I knew better, but I wasn't doing better. And the Bible has given us this information so that we can do better and become better because it will affect others. So if I become prideful about this verse and I say, well, no weapon formed against me will prosper, I'm just going to do whatever I want. God is for me. Who can be against me? And we start living out those verses and, and, and doing it in a prideful way, it will come to naught. Because God is not going to be manipulated. He is sitting on the throne. And there was a point in time in history when the enemy, the devil, was in heaven. And it talks about in Isaiah. That is the enemy, the devil, was there in heaven. He looked and he said, I'm going to go sit on God's throne. And in an instant... It says that a third of the angels followed him to believe that he was going to take God's place. And God cast him out of heaven onto the earth. The reason he's here is because God put him here. A third of the angels went with him. Think about that. Angels were deceived by this enemy. If angels were being able to be deceived... What do you think he's going to be able to do to you if you're working in your own power? A third of the angels. And Isaiah said, I saw you, O Lucifer, descend from heaven like lightning. We think that there's a fight between good and evil and like that the devil has this capability that maybe someday he's going to overthrow God and he still thinks he does have that capability. He's so dumb, he can't even understand it. Because his pride keeps him to that place where he thinks he's going to take over God's kingdom. Now, I don't know about you, but as I read Scripture, I'll see over and over and over again that the enemy is under God's foot. 
He cannot even fight because God kicked him out of heaven in an instant like the flash of lightning. Do you know how fast that is? That's how long that fight lasted. So whenever you think that the enemy is coming and attacking you, and if you're one of God's kids, guess what? God is your defender. He's your guard. He's the one fighting the battle for you, and that's a good thing. Stop fighting in your own power. Fight the good fight of faith that Scripture says, that we believe that the Bible is true and God is my defender. God is my God. He's my shield. He's my buckler. He's all these things. And if you read through the Psalms, you'll just see all these words become true of who God is for you. So pride, this is one of the verses that's quoted quite often, and mostly it's quoted wrong, so I wanted to set the record straight just so that you know where this verse is. It's Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. And most people say that pride goes before a fall. How many's ever heard that? Pride goes before a fall. Well, that's not actually biblical. <laughs> Kindly true, but not totally biblical. So here's how the verse reads, Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes for, before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride goes before destruction. So if we live our life in a prideful manner, I do think that there is a godly ability to be proud of your accomplishments and those things. I'm not talking about that. There's, there's a positive side of pride and there's a negative side of pride. I'm talking about the negative side. Pride goes before destruction. And haughtiness or a haughty spirit before a fall. Psalms 10 verse 4 says, The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. And there's so many more verses throughout the Bible that talks about pride. And Peter says that God resists the proud. And he gives grace to the humble. So if we want to live out anything, let's lay our pride down. Because pride will not be the armor that will defend us against the attacks of the enemy. So confidence kindly sounds like pride, but it's really not. So I've got a few verses that I want to read about confidence from the Bible to let us see what God has to say about us being confident. In the same way with pride, there's a positive and a negative side to this confidence. So Psalm 146 verse 3 says, Don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. There's seasons of our life where that whenever we get around somebody that seems affluent and seems powerful and seems like they have it all together and seems like they yield a sword that whenever they say something that can just take place in an instance and we're kind of enamored by that. We're just kind of like, wow, in awe of the power that they yield. But the psalmist says here, don't put our confidence in powerful people. 
Because the only power that they yield, according to Isaiah that we read, is the power that God gave them anyway. And if they're misusing it, how many believes God can take that from them? We can be as powerful as we want to be. We can be as influential as we want to be. And taking up our own thing and operating through pride and, and stepping on whoever we have to step on to get wherever we want in our organization. or what It's not like that. Pride is destructive. So the psalmist is telling us don't put our confidence in those kind of people because sometimes when we align ourselves or get in cahoots with somebody that's in those powerful positions, we gravitate towards that power because it looks like something I want to obtain myself. But the closer we get to those individuals, the more corrupt we'll see that they are. And we've got to be careful because their corruption can corrupt us. We can go with the right intent, but align ourselves with others that we need to stay far from. Don't put our confidence in powerful people. Birds of a feather. What is that? Huh? Flock together. Be careful who you hang out with. This verse is telling us they may look powerful in your natural eyes, but how powerful are they with spiritual eyes? Let's not put our confidence in man. Let's put our confidence in God because he will never fail. And I don't know about you, but man will let you down. But God will never fail you. He is always there with us. So 2 Corinthians 1 verse 10 says, and, did, and he did rescue us from mortal danger. Talking about God. And he will rescue us again. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul that had lived through all this, uh, as he was going on his missions journeys and he was planting churches and all the things that he faced in the natural that looked like he was devastated. He was left for dead. He was beaten. He was thrown over walls. He, he had all kinds of things that happened to Apostle Paul as he was pro pro pronouncing the name of Jesus and promoting Jesus and, and building the church that God equipped him to do. He faced opposition. But in that opposition, he didn't look at it. As we said last week, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, against principalities and powers and of the powers of the air. So the enemy is not going to come to us in a spiritual sense. He's going to come us through, at us through another person. And as he uses them, sometimes it's easy for us to say, well, I'm going to hate that person. We cannot hate people. That's easier said than done. <laughs> We've got to understand spiritually that the enemy is using them to attack us. It's not that person doing it. The enemy is using them as a vessel of dishonor, as Scripture says. But this verse says, Paul said, he will rescue us again. How many has been rescued by God? 
Show of hands. How many has been rescued by him? He has saved me. He's brought me out of the pit. He has, he has made me a new person. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And as I sit here and, and know and understand that, as I realize that, he's brought me through battles before. And guess what? The Apostle Paul is encouraging the Christian church. He will do it again. You're facing a battle right now, church, and it seems like the devil is trying to kick your face in. But guess what? If God did it before, he'll do it again. We need to be encouragers of, of those around us and begin to tell them, yes, it seems like the enemy is trying to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. There's nothing better than living the godly life. And Paul goes on in this verse in 2 Corinthians 1.10 and said, We have placed our confidence in Him, and He will continue to rescue us. So the confidence that I do have is not in my own abilities. This confidence is in Him. I know in whom I believed, who I placed my trust in, and He's able. He is able to take these situations that I'm facing, and He's able to fix them, isn't He, Cindy? He can make bad situations turn into a good thing. He can cause us to win people that we thought were unwinnable. We can look out and see all the gloom and doom and despair and all those things that we're facing. But guess what? If we look to God, the author and finisher of our faith, He will come through and He will win the unwinnable. He will win those that the world says, why would God waste His time on that no good drunk? Or that no good hoodlum. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 8 says, But let us who live in the light be clear-headed. How many would like to quit thinking so much? Amen. 90% of our problems that we face are not even real. I heard Kenneth Copeland say one time that fear, the acronym, is, is an acronym, F-E-A-R. It's false evidence appearing real. Most of the fears that we face are not even realities. It's the enemy making us believe that they're real. A lot of the battles that you think you're facing right now are not even a reality. It's the enemy causing you to focus on them and causing you to lean towards them. Get back in the Word and see what God says about the situation and begin to have that be your perception and watch and see if it does become your reality. Though he slay me, Job said, yet will I trust him. Even though sometimes we must say, God is tempting me or God is trying me, the Bible says that God don't tempt or test anybody. And he won't put anything on you that you're not able to bear. What you're facing today, I assure you, you're capable of enduring and coming through on the other side victorious over death, hell, and the grave. The battle that you're facing today, according to Scripture, God is well able to accomplish and bring you out of that situation. You may be enduring it for a season, but guess what? Joy, the Scripture says, is coming in the morning. 
I like happy days, don't you? But there's some days that I walk through sadness and grief and despair and all these things. But if I will keep my focus on Him and begin to look at Him and say, God, you're able to bring me through. And tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up again and I'm going to praise you whether I'm going through a storm or not. Because I know that you can talk to a storm because Jesus did. He said, peace, be still. And in an instant, that storm became calmness and there was peace out in the middle of that ocean. His disciples saw this firsthand. And if we would read these stories and look at them as realities and live them out and saying, that is how I'm going to believe. I trust God. It will change everything about us. Let us who live in light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing our helmet, the confidence of our salvation. How confident are you that God is for you? If you walked in this place today and maybe you're facing situations, and I can't tell every individual in this room, and I don't know everything you're facing, but sometimes, you know, through the rumor mills, we hear some things that people's going through. And I love it that we have a prayer group that, that have got on, on Facebook, got a group for a prayer group, and those people are constantly covering you in prayer. And I'm thankful for that. And it's not a rumor mill. It's a place where people can text somebody in that group and say, put it in the group and pray for me. I believe prayer changes things. Changes outcomes. Changes destinies. We need to wear our helmet of confidence, the helmet of our salvation. If you're saved, God is for you. If we're unsaved, he's still for you, but you're walking away from him. You're saying, I want to do it my way. And I'll, I'll test to you today through my own personal experiences in this life that I made a mess of my situations. I was going down the wrong path, and I was doing all the wrong things. But I thank God that he still heard my prayer when I went to that church and knelt down at that altar and a bunch of teenagers in a youth group come up and put their arms around me because I didn't even know how to pray. I grew up my whole life going to church services and listening to my grandpa pray and listening to my grandma pray and listening to others pray. The pastor and the deacons and the elders of the church, I listened to them pray. But when it came time that I knew I was wrong and I needed God, I didn't even know what to say. I didn't know, how do you pray? And a bunch of kids in a youth group. And I thank God that they stayed there at that church because I left and drove back, and I've told you all that story before. That they stayed there, and they was trying to decide what kind of pizza did they want. Giovanni's or Amir's. It's two different places. <laughs> but when this old goofbag from Lewis County that didn't have no right to be in Raceland anyway drove up to that church. God saw fit to take me where I needed to be. And it didn't make any sense. And I would tell people whenever they'd say, you got saved, really? Where are you going to church? I'm going to Raceland. You still live in Garrison? Yeah. 
you're driving to Raceland? Yeah. Why? Because that's where God wants me. And I thank God for that because he equipped me to be in the ministry. And he placed me in a place where Pastor Wells would encourage young people to stand up and speak on a platform and preach the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why here at this church, I'm just following after my, pre- my uh, Pastor Wells as he taught me how to believe in others and trust others. That's why when we have the youth group to come and preach, I, I, don't, I don't sit here worried, oh no, what's going to happen, what if? I trust God, and he can use anybody. And I thank God that he allows me to go to Raceland so that I could see that we can, as a pastor, can trust others to speak. Earl told me last week, as a few weeks ago when Dusty preached, and Earl was here when Dusty preached his first sermon at the Bridge Church, and, and just timid and shy and knees quaking, and he could talk to a youth group and lead a lesson, a Bible lesson, but to get up on the stage and, and the platform and, and speak to the adults, it's like, oh no, what if? And he was intimidated at first. But Dusty's been knocking it out of the park for years now because I believe in him. I trust him. God uses Dusty to preach. He uses Albie. That message that Albie preached a few months ago was one of the most powerful things I've ever heard. Anybody that's brave enough to put Jeffrey Dahmer's face on the screen at a church? <laughs> Amen. And let it teach us something. We can learn from mistakes. Where our confidence of our salvation? I don't want to be proud. I don't want to be boastful. But I do want to be confident in who God is through me. Hebrews 13, 6. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can men do to me? That's a verse you need to write down. If you don't have anything to write it with, come back and listen to this message and listen to it again. Hebrews 13, 6 is a verse that you need to make a priority in your life. That we can say with confidence, I believe this. I trust this. I have saw this become truth and reality in my life because I've seen him in action talking about God. The Lord is my helper. Is anybody sitting here with boldness now? I I hope that that there is a cause of confidence rising up within us in this room. The Lord is my helper. I have no fear. What can man do to me? So how can you build confidence? These are just a few points that I want us to leave us with before we're finished here. How do you build confidence? I found this blog that laid these out. It says, stop comparing yourself to others. I'm thankful for the Bridge Church that we all don't have to act the same, be the same, look alike, dress alike, talk alike. There's diversity in this room. There's people from all walks of life in this room, occupations, differences, and all that. I just thank God for diversity. Stop comparing yourself 
to others. God made you uniquely you because he needed you. Number two, surround yourself with positive people. If we walk in confidence of God's scripture, we will become more positive in nature. We'll be like Sandy that'll get on TikTok. <laughs> How many is encouraged by Sandy when you see those TikToks come through and her just with tears flowing down her face saying about the goodness of God and what he's doing in her life at that moment? If you don't follow her, please go do so. Surround yourself with those kind of people and watch and see how much better your day will be. And then don't just listen to it and always lean on her positiveness. Become more positive yourself. Because she can affect you that will affect others. Do I have any negative Nancys in the room? Anybody just negative by nature? Woe is me. <laughs> Surround yourself with positive people and see if you don't become more positive. Number three, they said take care of your body and, and eat better and be more healthy and, and uh, work out. I, I can't even get that word out of my mouth. <laughs> it's what the block said. If you want to be more confident, then, then eat better and, and work out. And I can assure you that that is true. The the more healthier I become in my eating habits, the more confident I was. Not proud, not boastful, just confident. And here lately I've let down my guard and yesterday I had a big chocolate milkshake with my lunch. There's nothing wrong with a chocolate milkshake every now and then. But then I was sitting at home and just my confidence was through the floor and I was like, why did I do that? I didn't need a chocolate milkshake. Leslie was gone all day, and she texted me late last night and said, I want to go to the shortstop. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's, that's awesome. I'm not hungry. I'm overfilled with chocolate milkshake. She said, I think I want to go get ice cream. I don't think I want any of that. But I went down there anyway, and I drank me a sweet tea when I should have drunk a water. Our confidence decreases as we eat unhealthy. Because our brain, our body is fearfully and wonderfully made. And God designed us to be more healthy. Amen, Elizabeth? Right? Ashley? The health coaches are in the room. And if you need any help, see one of them too, for sure. There's probably others here, but they'll, they'll be glad to assist you in that journey. And they won't be mean. They'll do it in a positive way, right, Elizabeth? Yep. She can be mean to Ryan, but not everybody else. <laughs> take care of your body number four says be kind to yourself stop beating yourself up is anybody guilty of that mentally the mind games it just it just beats us we beat ourselves up number five practice positive self-talk and this is kind of a worldly thing a philosophy thing but practice positive self-talk I think is begin to read scripture and pray it and speak it so if you know Hebrews 13 6 tells us that God is our helper 
begin to wake up in the morning and just say, man, God's going to help me today. I'm fixing to be helped. And by speaking out loud and openly, you're declaring to the enemy, not today, devil. If God be for me, who can be against me? I'm going to walk through this day and I'm going to be a ray of sunshine for those around me. Number six says, face your fears. When you're in battle, we shouldn't cower and run and throw up the white flag. Face your fear head on and say, God is my helper. I think his Old Testament prophet said, that one of the minor prophets, Micah, he said, the battle is the Lord's. We don't have to face the fight. God is going to fight for me. And that's a good day. Amen. Insecure people are judgmental and jealous of others, closed-minded, pessimistic. They fear change. They hide their flaws. They're indecisive. They act like a know-it-all. They always make excuses and blame others. Confident people celebrate other people's success. They stay open-minded. They think positively. They're willing to take risk. They're able to laugh at themselves. <laughs> Easier said than done. They're decisive. They make decisions. They're always learning. And they're always growing. Confident people admit mistakes. And they accept responsibility. So if you would, I want you to stand and just... you to ponder and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart that he would speak spiritually to you in this time in this season in this moment and maybe you've been you've been battling pride and you've been too boastful Maybe what others is called is arrogance. You're sitting here thinking, I know that's me, and the Holy Spirit is illuminating in front of me, showing me who others think I am, even though maybe I had good intentions. I've come across in a wrong way. And you're wanting to lay that pride down. You're wanting to unarm yourself. You're wanting to become unarmed of that pride. And you're making a decision right now saying, God, allow me to chase after you. Allow me to read your word. Allow me to declare your word. Allow me to confess your word. Change my reality, God. Change my perception. God, give me confidence in who you are and relieve me of my pride. If you bow your head and close your eyes, nobody looking around. That describes where you're at right now. And you're saying, I'm going to pray that prayer, Pastor. I'm going to lay down my pride. 
And I'm asking God to make me more confident in what He's able to do for me and through me. Just raise your hand. Amen. 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 That's awesome. There's others in the room that maybe you're sitting here and kind of like Eeyore and you're just so negative so destructive in how you're always confessing and, and talking about the bad and never looking for the good and fear has just overtaken you and overwhelmed you and you think there's no way out but you sat here today and heard this message and you, you're beginning to look at that clearly and seeing into that mirror Holy Spirit is showing you lay down your negativity and pick up the positivity of the gospel of Jesus Christ and live out and profess your faith in confidence if that's you and you're sick of being negative and you're ready to be more positive and you're asking God today change my heart change my mind give me clarity of mind that you just lift up your hand and say, I want to pray that prayer. Amen. 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 That is so awesome. If you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior, today would be an awesome day to lay down everything that you've tried to fix yourself and lay down the mess that you've created and say, Christ, Come live within me. Make me a new person that the preacher has said today. Renew within me a right spirit, O oh God. Maybe you've known him before and you've walked away and you've abandoned him and you're sitting here thinking, I need to return to him. I need joy to come back in my life. I need a renewal or refreshing. I need a revival on an individual basis. Today would be a good day to walk out that door changed. And I encourage you, just pray a very simple prayer. Just saying, God, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my faults, my failures. Change me from the inside out in Jesus' name. As you make your mind up today to follow him, he wants to come and sup with you, and he will be with you forever in eternity. You want to make heaven your home. Don't walk out of this place today like you come in. Father, I thank you today for every person that's here, for every person that's watching online, those that will listen this week. God, I pray that you would just change us, God, that you would arm us of our natural abilities, that we will quit relying upon ourselves, and God, that we will trust you more. God, I pray that we would lay down pride, that we would lay down selfish ambitions, God, and God, that we would just lift up and we would become more confident and our faith would be increased and God our trust in you would be just astounding to others that how can they make it through these situations and how can they still have joy in the midst of a storm God help us to be more confident in you that you are our helper that you are our God and God that we could trust you like never before for those that need saved in this place today, God, as they make up their mind, 
to follow after you. God, I pray that they would be able to call someone this week or maybe even today, God, before they even leave the room, that they could walk over to somebody they know and say, today I professed Christ as my Savior. I feel saved as I'm leaving here today. Help them, encourage them, strengthen them. Walk with them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.